We're going to dive into uh, God's Word, and every week we spend some time just gathered around uh, the Bible and teaching from the Bible because we don't believe that the Bible is some historical textbook. We believe that the Bible is relevant to us today, right now, and that God wants to speak to us through His Word. So we are uh, in a series. If you are new this morning, maybe you've missed the last few weeks. We are in a series that we've entitled House of Prayer. And that phrase comes from a moment where Jesus steps into a church, steps into a synagogue, and he says in that moment, my house will be called a house of prayer. The church will be a house of prayer. In other words, prayer will be so important to what church is. And that's what we're believing for at Family Church. But Family Church will be a house of prayer where prayer is celebrated and prayer isn't in the background, but very much in the forefront of all that takes place and so we're journeying through some teaching but what we've been saying is this is more than just Sunday morning teaching this is a journey that we're on together and so we're believing that this is going to impact not only our Sunday mornings but also us individually throughout the week as well so prayer we're all at different places with it we all have different opinions on what it is and we've looked at that already so far but it's, pr- it's something that we would all probably say we could experience more of God in. Or we could experience more of what prayer is. And we're all on this journey together, but we all probably desire to understand more of what we could experience in prayer. So what have we looked at so far? Week one, we talked about what prayer is and also what prayer isn't. Because there's a lot of stuff that people tell you about prayer, a lot of stuff that we learn. And so in week one, we took some time to actually unlearn some stuff so that we could actually see what the Bible has to say about what prayer is. Week two, last week, we looked at Jesus' response when his disciples came to him and said, would you teach us how to pray? And we looked at some verses where Jesus outlined what we now know is the Lord's Prayer. And we said that actually that was never meant to be a religious prayer that we recite, but it was a framework of prayer that Jesus was explaining what could be involved in our prayer life. So, If you've missed either of those weeks, both those weeks are available online via our Family Church app. And if you're new, we can show you how to download that. Now, over the coming weeks, we're going to look at two modes of prayer. In a couple of weeks' time, we're going to talk about um, collective prayer or, as I said last week, corporate prayer. Whatever you want to term it, where essentially we're talking about praying in a group, praying together. That may be your connect group. That may be friendship group, that may be the church coming together for a prayer meeting as we're doing this Friday into Saturday. And we're going to talk about what is collective prayer all about. Why do we pray together? We're going to, again, unlearn some stuff. We're going to talk about those awkward moments where you're like, what, what do I do in this moment? We're going to really dig down into that in a practical sense. Next week is Global Sunday. And I want to encourage you, make sure that you're around for next week. We're just going to have such an amazing service together at Global Sunday. But we're going to talk about prayer and bring prayer into what it is to be a global church as well. But today I want to look at this aspect of what I would term personal prayer. Personal, private prayer. And even within personal prayer, there's two kind of modes of prayer that we could speak about. The first one would be what I would term ongoing prayer. We've looked at 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 already that says that we're to pray without ceasing. Other translations say pray continually. One translation says never stop praying. And so we we read that and we look at that and we kind of think, well, how on earth is that even possible? So we kind of just leave that verse there. Like, how is it even possible unless I, you know, never talk to my family, quit my job and never sleep, then how am I actually meant to pray? And I think we all agree that's probably not the best way to live. So what is that all about when it talks about praying continually, praying without ceasing? 
It's not that we lock ourselves away in a cupboard and just pray non-stop and live like a hermit. It's that we live in this continual awareness of God's presence. And that we can speak to God and we can hear from God at any given moment of any given day. It's this internal conversation that's going on throughout the day. So yes, there can be focused times of prayer, and we're going to talk about that this morning. But there can also be this awareness of God where we experience God's presence when you're putting out the washing. Right? When you're doing the most mundane of tasks, when you're driving to work, when you're running on the treadmill at the gym, whatever it might be, when you're swimming, whatever it might be, we can experience and know God's presence throughout our day and have this ongoing communication with him and this union with the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you who've been around church for a while, you may have heard of a book by this monk called Brother Lawrence, and it was called Practicing the Presence of God. And if you want to know more about what does it mean to actually experience God's presence throughout the day no matter what I'm doing because we need to understand it's not just when we come to church on a Sunday morning right we can have this ongoing relationship with God throughout the week that's a great book to read practicing the presence of God but there's also practical things that you can do but if you say I want to grow in an awareness of God's presence sometimes we over spiritualize a lot of stuff that can actually be very practical to help us gain the spiritual stuff so it may be that you put post-it notes different places in your car, on your car dashboard, um, by your monitor, at work, whatever it might be. And you can write whatever you want on there, but it prompts you to remember, oh yeah, the awareness of God. You may have alarms that go off on your phone, but in that moment when that goes off, you just communicate with God. And over time, as you put these things into practice, practicing the presence of God, it will become more and more natural where you are just every single day living out with an ongoing awareness of who God is, where you can speak to him and he can speak to you at any given moment. But then there's another aspect of personal prayer, and this is what I want to focus in on this morning. And this is the type of prayer that Jesus shares on and speaks about just before he talks about the framework for prayer that we looked at last week. So we're in Matthew chapter 6 again this morning. If you've got a Bible with you, then turn it there. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to camp in this verse today, verse 6. And this is what it says. But you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So here Jesus isn't talking about collective prayer or corporate prayer when you pray together like we would do on Friday and Saturday. He's not talking about that. He's not talking about the ongoing uh, communication with God, that continual awareness of who God is throughout your day. He's talking about a devoted private time of intimacy between you and God. Now we're going to look at this very practically this morning, but let's first talk about the why of why we would want to pray like that. You know, I'm very much somebody who's passionate about understanding the why behind the what. It's a question I ask a lot, you know, why are we doing this? Why is this important? Because otherwise the what, we just go through the motions. And so when it comes to this kind of prayer, this intimate prayer, what is the why behind the what? If we don't understand the why behind the what, then all we'll do is we won't pray. In that setting, we maybe will go to a corporate prayer meeting, we will occasionally have conversation with God, or in a time of crisis, we'll go to him, but we'll never engage in this secret place kind of prayer that Jesus talked about and we're going to look at today. We'll just go through the motions. Or maybe you will pray, but it will just be religiously doing it without building relationship. You're just doing it because you feel like, oh, that's what a good Christian is supposed to do. Or maybe you'll only pray at crisis points when something big is going on, as we've already spoken about in this series. And so prayer will just become about getting stuff 
from God. So what is the why of this kind of prayer? And to find out the answer to that, we have to go towards the end of what Jesus said. And he says this, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Why do we pray in this place? Because when you do, you are spending time with the Father. So we don't commit to praying and finding time to pray each day because it makes us a good Christian. Because again, I'm still trying to work out what that phrase good Christian actually means, right? Because if you pray one day and you don't pray the next day, you're not better or more holy or more righteous the day you prayed than the day that you didn't. It's not about what we can do, it's all about what Jesus has done, right? Whether you pray or not, God doesn't love you more because you prayed one day than the next day when you don't pray. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you more. There's nothing you could ever do that would make God love you less. His love is, is, is based on a consistent love that he has for you. It's not based on your performance. So we don't pray because of that. We don't pray because it's a lucky charm. Okay, or at least we shouldn't do. Oh, if I pray, then this might work out lucky for me. And I'll, I'll put that, that bet on on that horse and then I'll pray and God will back it up. It's not a lucky charm. We don't pray because of that kind of stuff. Why do we pray in a secret place? Because God is waiting to meet with you. Your father, your creator is waiting to meet with you. And that's where we find him in a place of intimacy that changes us and keeps us spiritually healthy. So when we understand this, suddenly it's not about, oh, I've got to spend 10 minutes in prayer. It's actually about, I want to spend 10 minutes with the Father, and prayer is the medium that gets me to that place of being with the Father. Let me give you another analogy on this. I've shared uh, before, and somebody asked me this morning, how's the running going? Um, I, I run because I know that it's good for me. I don't run because I enjoy it. Okay, and I've shared that before. And so when it comes to running, for me, running is all about the process. It's not about what I'm going to get at the end of it. So for me, it's, oh, I've got to get the kit out. I've got to get my trainers out. We're going out early in the morning. It's dark. I don't want to be out this time of time. I'm running. I'm not enjoying it. My lungs hurt. You can tell I really love running. And so I'm doing it, but it's all about the running. But what if I knew that where I was running to, there was a loved one that was waiting to meet with me? Maybe someone I hadn't seen for years. Maybe an old friend that I would desperately want to catch up with. Maybe somebody who lives the other side of the world and, and is coming to me. What if that person was waiting for me at the end of a run? All of a sudden, my focus wouldn't be on the run. My focus would be on the person that I'm going to meet. And so that's how it can so often be with prayer. But we get so besotted about prayer and what is prayer and what am I, I going to do in prayer. Instead of actually realizing that our focus should be on the God that we can meet when we engage in prayer. It's all about our focus. We've got to know the why behind the what. Now, when we do know the why, and we say, yeah, I, I want to grow in God. I, I want to know more of God. I want to build a relationship with God. That's when the what comes in. But it's got to be in that order. Because otherwise you'll do a whole load of stuff in prayer that you will just find boring, you find disengaging, you'll be doing it for religious reasons, rather than understanding that when I engage in prayer, I can meet with my Father. So let's look at some of the what. Now this is going to be very practical this morning, because as I've been saying throughout this series, we, just don't, we don't want to just teach a whole load of stuff on prayer where people leave knowing more about prayer. We want everybody to be putting this into practice so that it changes your understanding of prayer and your connection with your Father. So let's look at Matthew 6, 6 again. Jesus says this, But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. 
So Jesus starts off, he says, but you, when you pray. Now notice, the first thing is this, that he doesn't say if you pray. He doesn't say when you maybe are going to pray. He says, no, you, when you pray. In other words, to Jesus, to be a believer, it was normal to pray. Remember in the very first week of this series, we said that so often we think that prayer is just for a select few. So often we think that prayer is about those who have been Christians longer than us, who know the Bible more than us. We think that prayer is for those people who are like super spiritual, right? Now don't tell me you don't ever come to church or in your past you've never come to church and you've looked at people and you think, oh yeah, they're, they're about where I'm at. That person is like super spiritual. They, they like lift their hand when they're singing. They're, they're like a whole nother level. And, and so we look at people and we think, yeah, yeah, prayer's for that person. Me, I, I, I'm just going to do the mundane stuff. So I'm just going to do all, all the ordinary stuff. That person is the person who prays. Those group of people are the people who pray. No, no, Jesus says prayer is for every single one of us. And that's why in this series I've been saying repeatedly, if you've tried prayer before, if you've prayed before and you found it boring or you found it difficult or you just didn't know how to engage in it, can I encourage you, try again. Go again. If you've never prayed before, start praying because what you'll find is when you push through that initial discomfort, that initial difficulty, as you do that, you will go to somewhere that is great in prayer. Now going back to the running. How many of you have heard of Couch to 5K? Yeah? Some of you may have even done Couch to 5K, and especially for those who are on the sofa watching films, eating chips, who want to know how to run. And so they build them up from that place to actually being in a place where they run. Now, when they're in that place, they're not saying, I'm a runner. They're saying, oh, I kind of should run or want to run, but they're in that place. Now, when it comes to that, and as they start to put into place certain things, all of a sudden, they're running the 5K. And the whole language begins to change. They're like, yeah, I ran a 5K. I'm a runner. And they suddenly go, right, now I want to do a half marathon. Now I want to do a full marathon. But how many of you know that if you try to get off a couch, having not run in years and tried to do a marathon, you're going to be in trouble, right? There's a build-up to it. Now, here's the reality. We understand that when it comes to running, but when it comes to prayer, we think that it should be easy. We think, oh, this is a spiritual thing, so it should be easy. No, if you haven't engaged in prayer, this, this secret place kind of prayer for a long time, or you have never engaged in prayer in this way, then it may be that you have to push through some stuff to a place where you say, actually, I'm a person of prayer. Prayer is for every single person in this room. Now, I heard this mentioned recently about the progression of prayer, and I thought this was, was brilliant, the journey of prayer. I want to share it with you this morning. But so often... Prayer goes from a discipline to a desire to a delight. So often there's a journey when it comes to prayer, but it starts off with discipline. But sometimes when you're a new Christian or sometimes when you've not been engaged for a while in prayer and you begin to pray, it may be a discipline. What is a discipline? It's something that you kind of know you should do, but your heart isn't really in it. Right? And it's a discipline. And as you engage in that discipline, let me tell you what happens before long. Suddenly it becomes desire. Where suddenly you want to pray. You want to be in that secret place with God. And that desire then turns into delight when you are really annoyed that now it's time I actually have to leave and go to work. Or that person's come downstairs and woken up and interrupted my prayer time. Suddenly it's a desire that's turned into a delight in your life. And that's as an overall, but sometimes it will be day to day. Sometimes you will wake up. And it will be a discipline. You don't feel really spiritual. You don't feel like you want to pray. But as you get to that place and you begin to pray, 
that discipline turns into desire. And suddenly that desire turns into a delight. Thursday morning, I met with a few guys down here at 6 a.m. It's not because we're more spiritual, it's just because we're working, and so that's a time that works. And so we got here, and I'll be honest with you, I'm sorry if this disappoints some of you. I woke up and I was like, oh, I'd much rather just stay here in my lounge. Now, sorry to the guys who were there, that's nothing about you. This is just a reality. But as I said, no, no, I'm going to go there because I know what happens when I get there. That was a discipline. I got in my car, I came here, opened up, the guys arrived, and we started praying. Now let me tell you what happened. Within moments, I was in a place of desire. And as we carried on, and it was a great time together, I ended up in that place of delight, where when the hour was over, I was like, oh, okay, we've got to go now. That's how it may be for you in 10 minutes, where you say, oh, okay, I don't feel very spiritual. Maybe you're you're just annoyed at life. But as you say, no, I'm going to decide to be a, a disciple. And, and I'm going to discipline myself to pray. Suddenly, that will turn into desire, which will turn into delight. Jesus says we can all be people of daily prayer. Now, if that's the case, and we want to be in that place of delight on a daily basis, and that daily place of intimacy, then we need to be intentional and not just hopeful that we will find a time to pray. Now, what do I mean by that? If you have desire to pray, but... You're thinking, well, hopefully I'll find some time today. Chances are that time will not present itself in your life. So let me ask you a question that may seem kind of strange to begin with, but it's important. When is your scheduled time to pray? When you look at this coming week, do you know when is my scheduled time to pray? And I'm not talking that you have to set aside you know, an hour, three hours. It, it may be five, ten minutes. But when is your scheduled time to pray? And when we talk like this about prayer, we think, well, that's religious. Or we think, well, well I don't really need to do this because God's with me and so I'm just going to find a time. And yet everything else in our life, we understand that you have to schedule. Right? If you say, I'm going to get really fit, I'm going to go down the gym, and I'm going to take this seriously, you will schedule that time. You'll say, okay, Wednesday after work, I'm going to go. Thursday morning before work, Friday lunchtime, that's when I'm going to go. If you're going to build friendship and you want to hang out with your friends, you don't just hope that you suddenly turn up at each other's houses and, oh, fancy meeting you. Okay, let's hang out tonight. You schedule, right? You say, what are you doing next Thursday? And so every other area of our life, we understand that in order to make it happen, we have to schedule it. Yet when we talk about prayer like this, we think, well, that's religious. We shouldn't look at it that way. Okay, well, if you don't, then what will happen is you won't have that intentionality towards your prayer. Now, when do you pray? I'm not going to be prescriptive on this because we're all wired completely differently, all right? And, And where you pray, and I'll come on to that in a minute, can affect when you pray. So for me... I'm a morning person. I'm, I'm best wired in the morning. Again, that doesn't make me better or more holy. It's just where I'm at. I'm more wired in the morning. And so for me, my prayer time will be in the morning. In terms of my devoted time, my secret place prayer will be in the morning before anybody else is up in the house and before any distractions come in my day. And then off that will be a, a growing desire to have that continual awareness of the presence of God throughout my day. You, on the other hand, may hate mornings. You may be an evening person, okay? That doesn't make you less spiritual. It's just your wiring. And so for you, your time would be far better in the evening. If you try and get up every morning and say, at 5 a.m. I'm going to pray, you'll just fall back to sleep. You'll be grumpy. People around you will suffer for it. Don't do it. If you're an evening person, work with your wiring. You may be work shifts. 
And so it looks different for you every day. You may be somebody who drops your kids off at school and then you've got some time to yourself because you, you work from home. You may be go to the office early, whatever it might look like for you. But can I encourage you, be intentional. Even this week, look at your week. And again, we're not talking hours. It may begin as five, ten minutes. Look at your calendar and create time for prayer. Now that doesn't mean, as I've been saying, you get obsessive about it, okay? Because what happens if you forget? What happens if something happened and you weren't able to you know, commit to that time? Nothing happens. You just go the next day and you pray again. It's like, there's not going to be a lightning strike. There's not going to be thunder. You're not going to have a terrible day because of it. You just say, no, next time I'm going to pray again. But if we are not intentional, we'll revert back to being occasional prayers who occasionally talk with God, and our spiritual health will suffer for it. Does that make sense this morning? Now, the other aspect about this is not just when, but also where are you going to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. So instantly we learn from God, from Jesus, that this is about privacy. This is about the audience of one. Okay, again, this isn't about conversational prayer throughout our day. This isn't about collective prayer as a group. This is about our intimacy with God. Where? And again, there's no hard or fast rule with this. It doesn't even have to be the same place each time. But here's a few pointers that may help you decide where. Somewhere that is private. Somewhere where you're not going to be interrupted. And that's why I said my, you know, your when may determine your where. My intimate times of secret prayer and, and that secret place prayer with God begin each morning on a green leather chair in our lounge that we were given by somebody as a gift. It's got a footstool as well. And so I begin there. It's not long before I'm pacing around the room because my wiring, I can't sit still for more than one minute. So, so, but it begins there each morning. And so that's why if you've ever been around my house and sat in that green chair, there was probably an anointing that came upon... No. <laughs> my tongue is firmly in my cheek in that moment. But some of you are like, oh, I think I've sat in that green... Oh, yeah, I did feel different. Yeah, I felt like... I but that's where it begins. Now, here's my point. If I try to pray at 6 p.m. in that chair, there is no way I would have privacy. Okay, there are people everywhere. Not, not, not literally, like the neighbours don't walk through the house. But there's kids everywhere. There's, there's noise. We're getting ready for dinner. There's, there's activity. And so my where would be the same, but my when would not work. So you need to look about where and when working together. A place of privacy. For some, it may be that you go for a walk with a dog in the evening when everyone else is asleep. You may go for a, a walk with a dog early in the morning. You may not have a dog. Don't steal one. Just go for a walk by yourself. But, but what works for you? Be true to who you are. And then somewhere where you'll be free of distractions. You know, when it comes to prayer, can I encourage you? Remove the distractions. Leave your phone in another room. And you may think, well, I, I need my phone because I have worship music on. Okay, stick it on airplane mode. Yeah, but I, I want to take notes on my iPhone. Well, get a notebook. Well, I have to be contactable at that time. Well, your when is wrong then. You're not praying at the right time in order to find that space of no distractions. Well, I'll cry if I leave my iPhone. Well, you have iPhone addiction. We need to talk about that. <laughs> and we can help you with that. And Android users, you won't be addicted to your Android because that's just nonsense. So, but... Be free of distractions. Be in a place where you can pray freely without any distractions in your life. Now, you may say, well, sometimes I just I lose focus just praying, right? Again, 
at the risk of some of you thinking that I'm really unholy, some of you have been in that place like me where you start praying, you start pouring out your heart, and all of a sudden you're thinking about what you're having for dinner that night, right? Come on. Okay, just I'm the only honest one in this room. Okay, but you have that. What do you do? You just refocus on what you are praying about in that moment. Let's let's take away the religion of prayer. Let's take away all these things that we make up about prayer so that we can have that place of intimacy with God. So when you've got the time and you've got the place, and you may need to play around with that and see what works for you, what do you do? What do you do in your place of personal and intimate prayer? And that's where we kind of think, well, that person must be doing this, and this person must be... What do you do in your time of personal and intimate prayer? And again, I'm not going to be prescriptive. Because it's so important that we all find our own moves and our own design when it comes to prayer. And if you've ever heard Pastor Andy, our senior pastor, talk about prayer, he's often said this, that it's like everybody's on a dance floor. We're all dancing, but we've all got our own moves. And some people's dance moves are very unique to them and individual to them, but it's good because it's their own dance moves. When it comes to prayer, we're all seeking the same end result, but we've got to work with what works for us. We've got to be true to who we are. God does not want you imitating others. You can be inspired by others, but don't imitate them. Jesus says, when you pray. He didn't say, when you impersonate somebody else. When you try and pray like somebody else. He said, no, when you pray. And what you will find when you try to pray like somebody else, and you're inspired by them, and you say, well, that's great, and I'm going to do the exact same thing. Very quickly, you will be bored. Very quickly, it won't feel right. And what will happen is you'll say, there's something wrong with me, and you'll disengage from prayer. Make it to your wiring true to you. So some people may start off with worship. Some people, to get into that place of their presence, may stick on a track and listen to that and, and join and, and just be in that place of worship. You may be somebody who plays guitar or keyboard and you may be able to just enter into that place where you are playing worship. But again, that's when the when matters because if you're playing the guitar really loudly in the morning you wake up the whole house, it's not going to go down well. So it may be worship. It may be that you start off with a word. Every morning I start off with a word and that leads me into the place of God's presence because I'm just somebody who is wired that way that I read the word and it brings me into God's presence and from that come my place of personal prayer. You might speak out loud or you might think internally. You might pray through a psalm. You may journal. You may draw. You, you may be, have just silent reflection at the beginning or the end or in the middle. You may do a whole mixture of things. You may do set things on different days. It doesn't matter as long as you are engaging in that place of prayer. For what doesn't really matter as long as it involves these things. As long as it involves relationship. Everything about prayer should be relational. This setting of prayer. Now, there may be you know, moments where we're going to talk about corporate prayer, and that's about declaring and interceding. But when it comes to this private place of prayer, everything is about relationship. You're not just ticking the box to do this religious thing. You're not praying to a faceless God. It is about relationship. And that's why you know, relationship comes before request in this type of prayer. Now, of course, we can ask God for things. Jesus said, you know, give us today our daily bread. We looked at that last week. But the priority is relationship. What else should it be? Authentic. It's got to involve authenticity. Again, we've got to be true to ourselves and true to who we are in prayer, knowing that no one is watching. It's just you and God, and you can be your authentic self.
What else must it involve? Honesty. If you're not going to be real and honest in prayer, there's no point doing it. And if we aren't going to be honest, even in that moment where it's just us and God, and we still can't be honest, and we still can't be real, then when are we ever going to be real? When are we ever going to be honest if we can't be in that place? And again, no one's watching, so you don't need... If you're struggling in there and you say, I'm not sure I believe that right now, God's not, you know... He's not kidded when you go before him and you say, yeah, I'm believing for this. And God's like, no, you're not. And again, that's not said from a place of condemnation. But in that place of honest prayer, you're not performing. You're not trying to be anything. You're being real. So if you're angry, you tell God you're angry. If you're angry with him, he's big enough to cope with that. If you're upset, you talk about that. If you're scared, you talk about that. If you're in a place of jealousy, if you're void of hope, if you're happy... If things are brilliant, if life is going so well, we talk to him in a way that is honest and real. Because when we are vulnerable and when we are real in that secret place, that's when he changes us. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be real. It's got to be about relationship. And also we leave space for hearing God. And as we said in week one, prayer is not one-way communication. Okay, that's a monologue. When prayer is meant to be a conversation. So as well as speaking to God, we can hear from God as well. Now, how on earth do we hear from God? That may be your question. How on earth do I hear from God? Maybe you're new to faith or maybe you hear about people to say, oh, God said this or I felt God say this. And you're like, well, how on earth do I actually hear from God? Let's look at that question for a moment because God is constantly speaking. Job 33 verse 14 it says, for God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. Jeremiah 33, verse 2 to 3. This is what the Lord says. He who made the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it, the Lord is his name. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. God is continually communicating with us, but we need to know how. And so... When we look at this question, yes, we can hear God for other people. Maybe you hear God for a preacher or a teacher or a friend or a prophecy, but that's not what we're focusing on in this moment. How do we hear God in this place of private prayer? One of the ways, maybe, is an audible voice. Now, let me just say this. that Often people say, well, do I hear God in an audible voice? It's possible, but it's far more likely that all of us in this room won't hear the audible voice of, of God while we're alive. Because the audible voice of God really is the exception rather than the rule, even though it can happen. So how do we day-to-day often hear the voice of God? We hear God through the Word, through the Bible. You see, as I said earlier, the Bible is not some historical textbook. The Bible is not just what God said in the past. God is actively speaking to us in the here and now through his amazing Word. Amen? That's why the writer of Hebrews says that the Word of God is living and it's active. God's word speaks to us, and that's where we understand Logos and Rhema, things that we don't have time to go into right now. But God will speak to you through his word. How else? Through the Holy Spirit. That's still small voice, as it's often described. John 14, 26, But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you everything I have told you. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not some mystical force. He's not magical vapor. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of a Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will always lead you into truth. He will communicate with you. Now, you may be praying 
and the Holy Spirit gives you a picture in your mind. You may be praying and later on that day a circumstance, God speaks to you through that circumstance. You may be even listening to a song or watching a film and God speaks to you through those situations, through an impression, through a thought. Because the Holy Spirit knows how to communicate to you individually. But just as I have three girls and I know how to communicate to them differently for each child, so God knows how to communicate to us differently. Now, a question I get asked is, how do I know that it's God speaking? Right, because not all our thoughts are, you know, some of them are clearly our thoughts rather than God's thoughts. How do I know that it's God speaking? Here's what I'd encourage you: seek wise counsel. <coughs> seek wise counsel. Speak to people who you know know the word, and you can talk to them about what it is. Ask God to confirm it. You know, sometimes I'll be praying and I sense God say something. Sometimes I'll just be walking and I sense God say something, but I'm like God. You, you know me, you know my worry, and you know I'm pretty slow and pretty dumb at times to pick up on stuff. So God, can you confirm this? Can you confirm it through a verse? Can you confirm it through... And it's amazing how many times you do that, and somebody will just come up to you in church or whatever and just say, this sounds kind of weird or strange, but I just feel God gave me this verse for you. And you open up your Bible, you read the verse, you're like, okay, thank you, God. That completely confirms what it was I was praying for. So ask God to confirm it. And I'd say this, this is so important. It won't be God if it's not in his word. Okay, sometimes we hear people say, God told me this. I'm like, no, he didn't. Well, how can you say what God told me? Because he'll never go against what he has spoken in his word. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth and what Jesus has declared. Final one, dreams. God can speak to you through dreams. You, you read through the Old Testament, you see God speak in dreams. You read through the New Testament, even after Jesus. So there's a new covenant thing. He speaks to people in dreams. Job 30, 33, 14 to 15. We looked at verse 14. Let's look at both of them. For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. Now again, how do we know a dream is from God? Let me give you a few guidelines. Firstly, Again, it will never contradict the word of God. If you're dreaming something, you're like, I think that was God. And it's completely not against, you know, in line with his word. That was probably, I don't know, cheese or whatever you had late at night before you went to bed. It wasn't God because he will never change what he has already spoken. Other times you maybe wake up and you automatically know that's a dream. from God. You pray and you get an instant revelation. Other times... You have a dream and you just can't shake it off. And as you're walking through your day in the next few days, there's more bits of a dream that you kind of remember and you, you just feel you know it's significant. Again, speak to somebody. Somebody that you know you can speak to. Pray about it. Ask God for an interpretation. And sometimes dreams that you have now won't fully make sense until months or years even down the line. Here's a practical note. If you're somebody who keeps having dreams, keep a notepad by your bed. But when you wake up, because if you're anything like me, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you don't have a clue what you were thinking, and you wake up in the morning and think, I was thinking so. Write it down. Take a notepad and write down what God is speaking to you. What do we do in the secret place? Whatever fits with us. Whatever God is leading us into. Whatever our wiring is. But it must involve relationship, authenticity, honesty, and space to hear God. Okay, let's bring this in. And uh, Lauren, you can come up. We're just going to round this off and just pray together but I hope this is helpful you know we, again we want this to be practical so that we put this into practice rather than just theory Matthew 6 verse 6 let's read it one more time but you when you pray go into your room and when you have shut your door pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly 
Okay, here's your homework. I didn't come to church to get homework. I'm tough. Here's your homework. Engage with it if you like. Don't engage with it if you don't like. I don't care. But here's the homework that I want to give to you today. Knowing that we're all at different places with this. So let me start off at base camp and you can apply what applies to you. Begin to pray. Pretty simple. Begin to pray. If you're somebody who used to pray but you don't and we talked about the reasons why maybe you don't anymore, re-engage in prayer. I'm not just talking about praying with others. I'm not just talking about having conversation with God throughout the day. I'm talking about the secret place of prayer. And again, you may say, I don't have hours. You don't need hours. It may be five minutes that you commit to. And say, I'm going to pull aside for five, ten minutes and I'm going to pray in that secret place. And as you do, as you say, I'm going to do that and I'm going to do it each day. The discipline, if your heart is right, will turn into desire, which will turn into delight. In order to do that, work out the when. When are you going to pray? Work out the where. Where are you going to pray? And begin to play with the what in order that you find what fits you. But I promise you, as you do engage, it won't be about prayer. It won't be about trying to get everything right. It will be about meeting with the Father who is in the secret place. Let's pray this morning. That's my challenge to you lovingly this week. And I'm just excited to hear how God begins to speak with people, how people re-engage with prayer. But just before we finish our service this morning, there's one more thing I want to do, and that's to just invite anybody who's never begun a relationship with Jesus to do that this morning. And we're not going to embarrass you this morning. We're not going to bring you down the front or anything like this. But we want to give you an opportunity to connect with a God who loves you and wants to be in relationship with you and has made a way for that to be possible. So I'm going to invite everybody to pray this prayer and repeat after me so that those saying it for the first time feel in a comfortable place where they are okay about doing it. So let's just repeat this prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I believe that you made me for relationship with you. I believe you have a plan and a purpose over my life. I know that sin got in the way. But I believe that you sent Jesus who lived a perfect life and died for me so that I could have a relationship with you. Please forgive my past. Make me new. I give you my future. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed. And if that's you today and you've never had a relationship with this living God, or maybe you once did, but you wandered away from it, and today you say, I want to restart. I want to press, refresh in my relationship with God, and I'm going to be serious about it today. Listen, if, if that's you, then I'm going to invite you to just do one thing. If you're here and you say, yeah, for the first time, I want to begin a relationship with God, you're not going to understand everything overnight. That's okay. But today is about an introduction. Today is about beginning moment. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three. Again, there's nothing magical about that. That's just a point of connection. And when I get to three, I'm just going to ask you to just pop your hand up in the air and you can put it back down. And then I just want to pray for you. I promise I will not embarrass you. You ready? One, two, if that's you this morning, three. Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? You say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to begin this walk and relationship with him. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this response. Father, I thank you that heaven rejoices at this response. Father, I thank you for the gift of new life. 
Father, I thank you that there is hope in relationship with you. And Father, I thank you that you surround this person with just so much love and surround her with so much truth. Lord, I thank you that you surround her with people who can pull into her faith and help her on her faith journey. And Father, I thank you for each and every single one of us that you are there in the secret place, that we can meet with you, that you don't make it difficult to engage with you. And Lord, this week I thank you for answered prayer. This week I thank you for relationships with you being built. And this week I thank you that your Holy Spirit will lead us into a place of truth where our lives will be transformed and we will end this week so spiritually healthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great God-blessed week.